welcome to the Park Road Podcast for January 15th, 2017. Today's podcast is a sermon given by Amy Jackstein, co-pastor with Russ Dean at Park Road Baptist Church. Her sermon today is entitled, Called to be a Saintly Community. It's the season of Epiphany. Oh, I know we're all still recovering from the December blur and simultaneously already feeling a bit guilty about the New Year's resolutions that we've already broken. But the world would do well to live within the framework of the liturgical year. In the liturgical year, Christmas does not start until December the 25th. So all that stuff we've been seeing since before Halloween would not come out until December the 25th. And then it only lasts until January the 6th. Wouldn't that be beautiful? In the liturgical year, January the 6th is when the wise men get to appear on the scene. So really, we should just now be singing We Three Kings. It doesn't make sense to sing it before January the 6th. We should be singing it from now through Epiphany. Because right now, since January the 6th and ongoing for a few weeks, we are traveling now with those wise guys back to their home country to spread the news. If we didn't have this piece of the story, we wouldn't know the story. So in the liturgical year, we're traveling with these magi to spread the news. Epiphany is like the great unveiling. It's the big reveal. This is the season where the curtain is pulled back and the spotlight shines bright and centered on Jesus. You see, just about the time you've ditched your tree to the curb and have finally gotten that last box back in the attic, and there are only a few pine needles dried up and scattered in the corners, now is when it all really begins. We are launched into a season of revealing this Jesus that we were so excited about back, you know, in November and December that we almost busted the budget and we went overboard in our spending and our eating and we think it's over it is only just beginning in the liturgical year i'm halfway through a nine-month stint with a cohort of ministers part of our salary package includes continuing education, and I have chosen this for this nine months. We meet once a month, 10 of us in Fort Mill, Presbyterian, Methodist, Episcopalian, and Baptist, men and women, all pastors of different sized churches, and we gather to learn from each other, 
to discuss the church and the world, and then we spend some time in coaching with our facilitator. His name is Mark Tidsworth. Mark will be coming to lead our deacon retreat in February, and we've invited the ministry council to come because I've been so taken with Mark and his ideas about the church. Every session we begin, Mark says this to us, there has never been a better time to be the church. Now hear that how you will, but there has never been a better time to be the church. He usually adds something like, it's exciting really. He says it with such conviction that I've decided to believe him. There has never been a better time to be the church. I know we, my colleagues in this cohort, we hear this statement with our ears perked after a long year of political exhaustion. There has never been a better time to be the church. I know my colleagues and I hear this statement after so much bemoaning about the cultural shifts that are negatively impacting church participation. There's never been a better time to be the church. I know I hear this with my colleagues as a, and we're just a bunch of tired ministers wondering if we're doing enough or being enough or did we do too much or what needs to be let go of and what needs to we hold on to and how do we make our way through the murkiness of what it means to be the church and Mark says there's never been a better time to be the church when I got to the office this morning I scribbled out a handwritten sign and put it on my computer monitor there has never been a better time to be the church Here's what I notice about this very important statement. It doesn't say there's never been a better time to do church. To do church. It doesn't say there's never been a better time to go to church. That's hard for me because I want you to always go to church. Preferably here. But Mark says there's never been a better time to be the church. And so in this season of the great reveal, we join the Magi in unveiling Jesus Christ to the world. I have never before worn anything outside my robe. I got this cross from my sister for Christmas, and maybe I just need to keep it in the pulpit and wear it. It, it like shouts, I follow Jesus! It's always unusual to me that the cross is made into jewelry, but it has been, so maybe I should claim it. I follow Jesus, and there's never been a better time to be the church. We've leaned on Paul and his first letter to the church in Corinth. That church did not have its act together. I'm so grateful to Dan for what he said about that church. I'm not even going to try to repeat it. I can take out a paragraph here. Thank you, thank you, thank you. They were not perfect. 
They did not always get along. They did not always agree. But let me just pull out a few significant phrases. And I want you to listen to these phrases as if it had been written to us. Grace and peace to you. Oh my goodness. In this crazy world. Grace and peace to you. I give thanks to my God always for you. And I do. I give thanks to my God always for you. Not just for employing us and giving us a paycheck. Not just for taking a chance on us and then putting up with us. I just give God thanks for you. In every way, you have been enriched in Jesus. You are not lacking any spiritual gift. Is that not the best news ever? You are not lacking any spiritual gift. It's a collective word. It wasn't a letter written to one person. It was a letter written to one church. Together, we are not lacking any spiritual gift. Alone, I'm lacking plenty. Together, we are not lacking any spiritual gift. But here's the kicker, and it came early in the text, and this is the first chapter. He's just saying, hello. <laughs> and he says, to the church that is in Corinth, and if you will allow me a slight adjustment, to the church that is in Charlotte, called to be saints. Did you hear that, church? We have been called to be saints. Oh, we love to talk about saints on the first Sunday of November because in the liturgical year, that's All Saints Day. But on January 15th, just doesn't feel right to talk about saints. We did that in November. We've got a whole year before we remember the dead again. No, it may feel out of season to talk about the saints, but we cannot reserve saintly language for the dead alone. Paul was very much addressing the living, breathing church. What would it look like if we were a saintly community? I did some reading over the weekend. It's Martin Luther King Jr. weekend. So I read some of his writings from the Birmingham jail. And then I happened upon the very last sermon he preached. And since he is a way better preacher than I am. I'm going to preach some of his sermon for you, and I'm just sorry I can't rile you up the way he could. But this is what he said in Memphis, Tennessee, on April the 3rd, 1968, in a sermon entitled, I See the Promised Land. If I were standing at the beginning of time with the possibility of general and panoramic view of the whole human history up to now, and the Almighty said to me, Martin Luther King, which age would you like to live in? 
I would take my mental flight by Egypt through, or rather across the Red Sea, through the wilderness on toward the Promised Land. And in spite of its magnificence, I would not stop there. I would move on by Greece and take my mind to Mount Olympus, and I would see Plato and Aristotle and Socrates and Euripides assembled around the Parthenon as they discussed the great and eternal issues of reality, but I wouldn't stop there. I would go on even to the great heyday of the Roman Empire and I would see developments around through various emperors and leaders, but I wouldn't stop there. I would even go up to the day of the Renaissance and get a quick picture of all that the Renaissance did for the cultural and aesthetic life of man, but I wouldn't stop there. I would even go by way that, I would even go by the way that the man for whom I'm named had his habitat. I would watch Martin Luther as he tacked his 95 theses on the door at the church in Wittenberg. But I wouldn't stop there. I would come on up even to 1863 and watch a vacillating president by the name of Abraham Lincoln finally come to the conclusion that he had to sign the Emancipation Proclamation. But I wouldn't stop there. I would even come up the early 30s and see a man grappling with the problems of the bankruptcy of his nation and come with an eloquent cry that we had nothing to fear but fear itself. But I wouldn't stop there. Strangely enough, I would turn to the Almighty and say, if you allow me to live just a few years in the second half of the 20th century, I will be happy. Now that's a strange statement to make because the world is all messed up. The nation is sick. Trouble is in the land. Confusion all around. That's a strange statement, but I know somehow that only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. And I see God working in this period of the 20th century in a way that men in some strange way are responding. Something's happening in our world. The masses are rising up, and whenever they are assembled today, whether they are in Johannesburg, South Africa, Nairobi, Kenya, Ghana, New York City, Atlanta, Georgia, Jackson, Mississippi, or right here in Memphis, Tennessee, the cry is always the same. We want to be free. And the crowds roared. And then you jump to his last paragraph. Well, I don't know what'll happen now. We've got some difficult days ahead, but it doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop and I don't mind like anybody. I'd love to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will and he's allowed me to go up to the mountain and I've looked over and I have seen the promised land I may not get there with you but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land and I'm happy tonight and I'm not worried about anything I'm not fearing any man mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord and 24 hours later he was dead April the 4th, 1968, 24 hours later, he was dead.
and we carve out a weekend to remember that trouble is in the land, confusion is all around, but only when it is dark enough can you see the stars. I was only two years old, and yet I can hear in his words that he thought there's never been a better time to be the church. So much has changed in the 48 years since he preached that sermon and the 48 years since his death. So much is so much better. Let us not forget that. But so much remains the same. Let us not forget that. So I've decided to stand here today as a 50-year-old white woman preacher. That would have never happened 48 years ago. And I say to you with great conviction... There has never been a better time to be the church. In every way, we have been enriched by the revealing of Jesus to us. Grace has been heaped upon us. Together, we are not lacking in any spiritual gift. We have been called to be saints And I, for one, think we should act like it. Act like it in the way you conduct yourselves in your business. Act like it around your dinner table. Act like it in what you say and in the things you leave unsaid. Act like it to the guy on the street corner and to the woman picking through the bananas at the grocery store. Act like it to the one that cuts in front of you in traffic. Act like it to the teacher who is just so unfair. Act like it to those who accuse you falsely and talk about you behind your back. Act like it to those who are bullied and mistreated. Act like it when you disagree with each other. Act as if you have been called to be a saint because it isn't just as if you have, you have. You might be thinking, well, there's no way for me to be a saint. Our friend who's the singer and songwriter Kyle Matthews sings, a saint is just a sinner who falls down and gets up. We acted like like a saintly community last night when 12 guests spent the night in our youth building They got three meals, a shower, an opportunity to wash their clothes and watch a little TV. They got to sleep on a mattress with clean sheets and blankets and a pillow. We will act like a saintly community in a few hours when we pack a thousand backpack snacks for Sedgefield children and for our own children at the Child Development Center who are in a program to prepare at-risk children for kindergarten. That's just in the last 24 hours that we've acted like saints. That's not boasting. That's living out our calling. What kind of saintly community will we be tomorrow? Saints, known as Park Road Baptist Church, 
Grace to you and peace from God. I give thanks to my God for you. You are not lacking in any spiritual gift. Now go act like it. May it be so. Amen. We invite you to learn more about Park Road at parkroadbaptist.org. Park Road is a progressive faith community located in Charlotte, North Carolina, encouraging independent thought, community service, social justice, and interfaith understanding. Today's podcast was produced with production help from Hugh Ashcraft, Brian Smith, Bruce White, and Rich Dower. Our theme music was composed by Brandon Michael Williams. Thanks for listening today. Grace and peace to you.